Hey guys, what's up? It's Brandon. This week on the show, we have Wes Langdon from Southern California. He is the first installment of what we're calling FDB Listener Created Content. It's pretty awesome. You're going to get to hear what's going on in Southern California, what it's like to be a one-man band, and the hustle is real. So take a listen. I think you're really going to enjoy the show. So cheers to the West Coast. You're listening to Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. What's up, world? I'm Wes. I'm David. And we're filmmakers. We're drinking bourbon. Cheers, buddy. What? what is this? So this is, uh, what do we got here? We got Bullet Frontier Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Big uh, frequent guest of the show, Bullet. They had the uh, Master Whiskey on. That was really cool getting to learn about that. Found out the whole Kentucky thing is largely marketing, which is really interesting. So we are not Brandon. We are not Alex. They uh, took a week off, and this is our first attempt at having guest contributors to the podcast, and I'm uh, super excited that uh, we were asked by Brandon recently to uh, take over an episode, give it a shot, try out the uh, keeping the format alive. They've worked super hard to establish this brand, and I know all of us listeners are really thankful for the uh, the work that they've done and creating this uh, community to uh, talk and learn and uh, hear from other people that are just working working filmmakers outside of the uh, the Hollywood one percent. It's kind of nice. So uh, again, my name is Wes Langdon. I own Firehouse Creative here in Southern California. I started off doing uh, graphic and branding um, for about ten years now. Um, I am twenty six, and a few years ago, said wanted to start my own business, doing it for real on paper with Uncle Sam and everything. And uh, went from branding and graphic design, and that kind of morphed into web design as well, which uh, then added in my existing musicianship into audio production. And then about a year ago, got really, really interested in diving more into filmmaking and then done it some some stuff back in school. And um, Dave here was really helpful with getting me going in that and has been a friend of mine for a long time now. And when he had an opportunity to uh, take over the podcast, he was the first one that came to mind. So Dave, if you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and kind of what you do. Sure. I'm a graduate of the University of Southern California. Uh, spent a couple of years there on a full ride scholarship, just studying film and uh, just, you know, went into it thinking, you know, I want to make epic movies. I want to go the Hollywood route. Uh, I want to make Braveheart. I want to make, you know, Lawrence of Arabia. And uh, while I was there, kind of found out that I didn't really actually want to do that. Uh, I wanted to make films you know, just about uh, stories and messages that that maybe weren't the the big movie, uh, but were smaller movies that you could actually reasonably make on your own. So I really started looking at uh, independent film. Uh, it was right around the time of the digital re- uh, digital revolution, where uh, the I mean the DVX one hundred. I don't know, you know, going back to the Panasonic, it was the first twenty four P camera, and it's like, oh man, you know, I mean, you can actually make a film on this, and you couldn't, but it was the first step. Uh, and, and so I bought one of those, did some things, uh, you know, kind of opened my own business. And really, uh, from outside of L.A., I mean, you know, we're about an hour and a half, two hours outside of L.A., and uh, just started making films on my own, doing some competition films, things like that, uh, learning every step of the way. Uh, we have gone from doing competition films to uh, there's a, a, a field called sermon media uh, for churches. Uh, they create, we create these little two, three minute videos, sometimes even shorter for use in uh, church services and worship services, things like that. Uh, found some success there, uh, catapulted that to uh, a uh, short film, uh, 30 minutes that we took to festivals and, and kind of did a little bit of the festival circuit and then now we're working on our first feature film. Uh, also, the husband of one wife and father of two children. <laughs> that uh, that's funny. You mentioned that DVX one hundred. They just talked about that a few episodes ago. It was the first like real popular like prosumer camera that could do like twenty four p. And clients didn't know. People weren't aware of sixty p versus twenty four. But they're like, that looks like a movie. Yeah, I get it. It doesn't yeah. look like that European. They don't know how to put their finger on it, but they still know. That's that's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about this uh, future film you're working on. 
Um, it's actually a project that I thought about in college. Uh, I used to spend uh, hours in the library between classes. I would commute to school and, you know, just sit there and, and you know, work on homework, waste time, think about stories, work on scripts, things like that. And, and I had this idea of, um, you know, this guy who kind of, and, and, you know, most guys have a kind of a fantasy girl, you know, like this would be my ideal girl. And I just thought about, well, what would that, you know, what would that be like if, you know, he was an artist and uh, he actually painted like what this, this person would look like. And he had like a, an actual list of details and, you know, just that like this crazy man. And it's by no means a short list. I'm assuming. No, yeah, not, not right. a short list. Right. I mean, because we, we're very detailed, like, you know, you have to like baseball or, <laughs> you know, you should have this specific accent right. or things like that. Um, so, you know, the, the concept kind of came and, and we have, you know, just the, the style of filmmaking that, that I'm in, uh, the genre of filmmaking, uh, we, uh, do a lot of faith-based stuff, and and there's a you know just a solid message to it as far as you know you don't need to um, you don't need to find the right person, but you need to be the right person. You know, be someone who can love one uh, someone else uh, rather than looking for someone to complete you through their love. And uh, you know, kind of just taken that concept that was in college, um, ran into a. Uh, another gal who is uh, in Corona, which is about you know 35, 40 minutes away. Uh, she's a writer. Uh, through the the process, I, I found out that I'm not a writer, uh, much more a director and a producer. Um, and she just took the story and, and some of the notes that I had, developed it out, uh, and then we we had the script. And now we're like, okay, well, you know, what do we what do we do with it? And uh, we said, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna try to raise some money, and, and we're gonna try to do this, you know, legit, and uh, get people paid, and call in our favors, and uh, yeah. So that's been that's been the 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 beginning of the journey. Um, one of the things that with this film that I've uh, learned, you know, I mean, we we went through the competition films, you know, we did the 48 hour film project and there's another 168 hour project. And I don't know, all, all of these projects where you make a film in a limited amount of time and we'd go in and focus on one piece of filmmaking. And, and every time we were, you know, we'd met with success, we'd win awards, you know, we I gathered a kind of a crew here in, in uh, Temecula of all places. And, you know, we could make a film but the problem is, is that making a film is really not even a half of what you're trying to do right. because the real goal is that people would watch this film and that you would be able to make other films in the future. Uh, so I started really digging into distribution uh, because, you know, everybody asks, okay, how do you get financing? And really the way you get financing is you have to understand distribution and how you're going to make your money back so that you can convince someone else to give right. you money <laughs> because you know nobody wants to invest in the guy who doesn't know what he's doing right so really started looking at distribution um, there's a book um, I, I, the title's totally escaping me but it's uh, by uh, Jeff Olean I think is his name uh, maybe Wes can put in this, the podcast notes or something I'll, I'll get it to him later but uh, it's it's just the business of film distribution and uh, it was just you know, a good book to look at the historic patterns of distribution and how you make your money back on a film. And uh, read that, kind of looked at that, started putting together a business plan, and then started hosting meetings. And, uh, you know, there was a, a pastor friend of mine, actually, who uh, we were sitting talking one day, and he said, you know, what you need to ask people is not, uh, can you invest in my film, but who do you know that could invest and, and who do you know that would be interested? And uh, so that's what we started doing. And, and, you know, we just have conversations with people and it was very low pressure. Uh, it took us about a year, year and a half. Uh, we, were, we were blessed to have one particular investor that my co-writer and I, um, we, we had a pretty good idea that he would be interested uh, early on. And uh, he was, and, and he kind of came in right at the beginning and he was like, yeah, you know, this sounds, sounds like it would be interesting. I'm, I'm really, I'm interested in, in hearing more about it and kind of going into it. Um, so he, he came in at like 10,000 right away and he, you know, kind of committed to that. And then so as, you're done, your financing is done. That's no, all you need. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, uh, $10,000 would be 
a fairly low budget film, right? Um, <laughs> he, I mean, as as he heard more, then he would up his investment as he got more excited, and as he got more excited, then then he would bring other people in, or you know, we would meet other people through. I mean, I, I found one investor through my tax attorney. Wow. Uh, I found you know another investor through um, another person who's on the crew. Um, it's it's really just. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, like I say, it took a year and a half. Uh, we did four investors' presentations. I did a lot of phone calls, uh, just asking people, okay, who else can we get? And and when the investors are excited about it, they're right. looking for people too. Do you find that this is a lot of, you know, just affluent people who are like, I would love to invest in this, or is these people who have a habit of investing in film, or is it people who like who kind of like getting involved in just projects in general? Is it a lot of film people? Yeah, I mean. <sighs> My group of investors is is somewhat unique because they're all coming into it for three reasons. One is um, they're bored with other investment. I mean, this is an opera. This is something different. You know, they like the. They understand it's a risk. Um, they understand it's a high reward, um, but they they're not used to this. I mean, they're not they're they're not usually investing in things that are like this. I mean, this is just unique. I mean, who doesn't want to be like, oh yeah, I'm a film mogul. You well, know? sure. Yeah. They want their fingerprints on a movie. Everyone yeah. thinks that's so cool. It's like learning how to play drums. Yes. And, you know. and they get to be on set and they get to, you know, meet the actors and they get to be, you know, part of that. I mean, it's fascinating for people who aren't typically part of it to be able to have their own little real life behind the scenes and be like, oh, this is what this brings me. Yes. If, if you present a situation that's genuine, Right. right, and it doesn't have to be Hollywood, but it has to be professional. Yeah, because they're not interested in investing in a student film or your passion project. They want to invest in a business. Yeah, it's money. You yeah, make money. But they're also um, they are people who love the arts, so it's not foreign to them to put money towards an artistic investment. Um, the third thing is, I mean. All of my investors are people of faith. Like they're they're all Christians and and want to um, have a, a positive message out in the internet. They're looking at it as like a ministry thing. As a yeah, I mean, you know, they they want to make their money back, sure. uh, but they see as like, hey, you know, if I'm if if I'm going to invest in something risky, sure. if I'm going to take the chance of losing money, may as well be a good cause. May as well be a good cause. Yeah. Have you found that the uh, financing process is different between a 30 minute short and a you know full length feature even though obviously the length is more do you find that it's just it's a completely different hurdle or is it just proportionately more money um well the financing for the 30 minute short we did we we actually did a indiegogo campaign for okay. that um, and we raised six thousand dollars you know kind of shot it on six um, this were we raised a hundred thousand dollars we're shooting it on on 100k Um so the, it's a very different investment process because we have an LLC, we have you know contracts, we have the movie is writing the, movie the checks. Is, yeah, like I mean, there's there's a separate entity, right? Um, you know the the thirty minute film, nobody had interest in it. People were just giving to the film. You know, they were just it's supporting. Awesome. It's the an cost. investment in you in you at that point too. Not, yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean the thirty minute film. They're supporting us, right? Right. The feature length, you know, ninety, hundred, and ten minute film. Um, they're still investing in you, but they're not investing in you because they like you. They're investing in you because they believe in you, right? And they believe in that you right. can do this. That's funny you mentioned about the LLC. I think I, I interned at Warner Brothers Studios in, in Burbank for about six months, and I think that one of the first things that like blew my mind. Uh, besides I get my own office was I can't believe the amount of paperwork and just logistical production that goes into a movie. I mean, I was told like every picture becomes its own entity with the state. It's a business. Yeah. It writes checks. And yeah. then basically we buy the movie as a, as an, as a property, you know, essentially. <clears throat> and just admit yeah. like every movie has got its own legal department and it's, it's just crazy. So when you go from, oh, this is our student film, this is our film festival short to this is a feature film that we're going to have financed and distributed. Um, it takes on such a huge different, you know, beast than just being a little project because you have to do it all the right way. You yeah. know, 
if you go buy, you know, your Atomos, you got to be able to say like the movie bought it. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's, you know. Yeah. Well, and and I think it's because you want people to see it. And I think that's some of the the issue with a lot of making student films. I mean, even when I was on, you know, campus at USC and and you know, other people that I've been in contact with who went to Chapman or UCLA or, you know, some of the different schools. Um, a lot of the projects that are made are just dumb. Like that yeah. nobody wants to see them. Really yeah. self-indulgent. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just <laughs> like, it's just like you guys, like I get what you're trying to say here. Like, sure. It might be interesting to this, like very like microcosm group of, of folks, but you're never going to be able to finance this and make money. Right. Like, and, My, and that's ultimately what you need to make a movie is money. Right. And to make money, it has to be a viable product. Well, I used to tell people, they go, so define, you know, when I was at one of the, what's the, uh, what's the studio model? I'm like, it's a bank. Yeah. It's just a bank. They want to finance things that make the money. Now it happens to be art. And, you know, there's the, my first day of film class last semester, the film teacher came in and he said, you know, is, is filmmaking a business or is it art? And I said, it depends who you ask. If you ask someone at the studio, they're going to say it's business. The director, DP, whoever is going to say it's art. And they want to make their money back, which is reasonable. You got to understand that it's a business, but there's also that there's constant push and pull. That's why we have things like director's cuts because yeah. this is what my artistic vision was. And that same teacher, he used to say, uh, uh, idealism is wanting to be Kubrick. Realism is realizing that you aren't. So there's that balance of like, am I going to make some super heady, cerebral, really avant-garde thing that five people are going to get? Am I going to make a holy mountain, you know, or am I going to make something that like is, oh, this is predictable and we know where it's going. It's 90 pages. We get it, but we love it because it's well done. You know, is it going to be, you know, uh, another action movie or a rom-com, you know, which people love because it's like, I know what I, what to expect. This is the genre that I like rather than trying to have my mind blown at every step and be, you know, layers of depth. That's sometimes you don't always have to, uh, you know, swing for the. The outfield. That's a sports yeah. reference for me, yeah. which is a big deal. So, <laughs> well, I think of. I mean, one of the scripts that people often look to to say it's the perfect script is Back to the Future, right? And Back to the Future is popcorn. I right. mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. Th- there's nothing that's like, I don't know, like philosophically challenging me no, in Back to the Future. No ethical dilemmas, and everybody, like, I mean, so many people. This is the perfect script, and it's like, well, you know. I mean, on on one hand, it is like yeah. it's it's just it's solid. It goes through. I think Zootopia was a really good script, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know has message message to it, and and you know obviously making statements about um, acceptance and and you know different kind of things. But um, I, it's it's still a good script, and then there's just elements to a story that that need to be there uh, for people to be able to digest it because that's what they're used to to receiving. And if you get too far outside of that. You people lose your voice because right. they don't understand you anymore. It's like you know speaking in a different language. I was just reading some today on, on No Film School, uh, their Facebook page. If you guys, you got to check this out. It was these uh, four or five students at some university back east that basically found out that Kurt Vonnegut's proposal that all film and uh, literary stories kind of fall into six different arcs was accurate, and they basically ran it through like a, an algorithm essentially. And you can graph them based on, um, uh, uh, you know, quality of life of the main character and then time of the story. And they all kind of fall into these six, like, sine wave-looking arcs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember learning about a book that just recently has kind of been used as, like, the framework for Marvel movies called uh, Save the Cat. It's this guy that wrote this, and it's kind of the new model for, like, that type of story arc and um, the hero's journey. And they get these names over time because... but. You know, we can only tell so many stories because we only know what's familiar to us. So we can only pull from like the human experience, and that's gonna replicate itself at some point. You know, very rarely do we have a movie where we go, I've never seen that storyline. Now, something, you know, one of my favorite movies, Inception, like we can say we've never seen that storyline used before. It was dream within a dream, but it's still the hero's journey. It's just got a different shell on it, you know? Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm guessing, I mean, like okay, you see, we've never seen it. Well, what about the Matrix, right? I mean, right. Matrix like is in this alternate reality, in this alternate. You know, I mean, it's there's there's similarities to other films. They 
you don't have to be that far off right. to be different. Right. But you still share way more DNA than you don't. Right. Well, and then there's no strings attached in Friends with Benefits, which is the same movie with different leads. Yeah. <laughs> like six months apart. It's like, you know, we've seen this before. It just came out with Ashton and Mila. But <laughs> So you mentioned that we are uh, a couple hours outside of the filmmaker's mecca, which, as Brandon and Alex will tell you... Uh, I might even say isn't the filmmaker's <laughs> mecca anymore. But. <laughs> They'll tell you it's quickly spreading. Uh, they've had some other guests on who've talked about the spread to you know New York and, and uh, some, I think they mentioned, I mean, the guys are in Cincinnati. It's There's a lot of work being done out there. Now with all the tax credits in the South, there's a lot of movies yeah, getting filmed. Louisiana, in, yeah, Georgia. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think a big chunk of House of Cards was done in, in Georgia, if I remember correctly. Um, and... Um, I want to talk about the experience of being in Southern California. I mean, our whole lives we take it for granted, but then when you talk to other people, they're like, California, like that's, uh, my, my brother-in-law's family came out from Wisconsin a few years ago to our little city of a hundred thousand people. And they said, where's all the movie stars? And we went, Oh yeah, we forgot. Like when you're from Wisconsin, like all of California is, is LA and then San Francisco. It's sad. It's just, I mean, but you know, I don't know anything outside of California. It's, it's yeah. California, Texas, New York, and that's the U.S. Um, there is, you know, having lived in L.A. for a few years, um, worked on a very shallow end of the industry. I don't claim to be some veteran, but seeing it from the inside and, and coming back out, there is a huge difference. There's not a camera rental house on every corner down here. I don't run into DPs in my day-to-day life. Um, it's rare that I meet someone in film. I just found a guy who does post and color work. Um, for like some pretty big clients and he lives locally and I was shocked. Um, so what do you think your experience has been as a filmmaker, you know, being in California, but not necessarily always being in LA, you know, how does that kind of affect your experience? Well, I mean, I think I went to school in LA, so I, I kind of felt like, uh, like this isn't what I want to do. I mean, the traffic Pierce, Pierce so College, bad. Pierce Community College. Yeah. Right? Where'd you yeah. go? Where'd you go to school? USC. USC. <laughs> Just want to hear the, the real USC. The real USC. The one that's copywritten, not South Carolina. <laughs> I work for a company in South Carolina, so that's kind of a, a joke that I dig on them all the time. Maybe one of them are listening. Um, the yeah, I mean, it just just the traffic and the crowdedness and the you know everything. I was just kind of like you know I don't. It's stifling to my voice. You know, I mean, like I want to be out a little bit and and not spending a third of my life on the freeway <laughs> to go ten minutes down or ten miles down the road. Right. Um, but it's interesting because even though we're right outside of L.A., like there is this kind of awareness. You know that there's a there's like oh yeah that's over there. And, and there are people who are like, oh, I'd like to do that. So, I mean, one of the things that it was interesting to me is I have, I have good friends in L.A., and they're kind of like sounding boards for me. You know, yeah. like I'll, I'll, I'll like, hey, you know, uh, do you want to you come do this or you want to come do that? And it's interesting. And, and my role as is, is kind of a director-producer, uh, I'm, I'm pulling them out here. And then it's it's almost like a, a breath of fresh air for them because it's not quite the pace, you know. I mean, we're 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 getting stuff done, we're moving forward, but we're a, a smaller crew, a, a smaller um, you know group of folks, and, and we're just wearing more hats, and and it's a little bit more, I don't know, like it's still professional, but it's a little more family, you know, because we're all leaning on each other, you know. We're like, okay, you know, like you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and. Um, it's a it's just a different environment. So they enjoy being able to be a part of something like that. You know, and, and a lot of independent film is like that. You know, I mean you're calling in favors, these are friends. It's not the you know, the Marvel movie where you have ten thousand people that worked on this movie and many of them are just locked in a room doing special effects. Like on your movie right now, the guy who's shooting the behind the scenes documentary footage is the same guy who's doing the, you know, marketing collateral. And that just happens to be me. So we're all wearing and multiple hats. And the score. And the, and, and the score. Yeah, don't and, forget about that. And getting everyone's coffee. Yes. And if, if, if LA, if we're in the Lion King, LA is Pride Rock. We are everything in the shadows. That symbol was not supposed to go. We're out there. And if there's, a, there's like a force field that's like, oh, I'm in LA now. Mm-hmm. Everyone in Starbucks is on their Mac writing a script. Yeah, it's just the thing. It's like, oh, let me guess, you're writing. Oh, let me guess, you're starting a web series. Yeah, I know. Like, it's everyone. 
I find that out here, there's also a lot less reliance on credits because yeah. the clients just aren't that big. Yeah. I got an animation project I'm working on right now that's just, you know, my love song to After Effects and it's 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 intense. It's like gonna be a few hundred hours of work and um, you know, I'm telling well, what's this huge client for? It's, you know, one of the bigger bigger jobs I've gotten since I started Firehouse and it's great, but I have to kind of tell people I you've never heard of this company, but their clients are Fortune fifty clients. So it's like with the work I'm gonna be, you know, the work I'm doing is gonna be seen by huge clients like next week. Like people that I would die to have on my roster, <laughs> but there's the middleman. So it's like, you know, we can't just be like, oh, I've done work for so and so. Because around here, the work that the name you'd be dropping is not ever going to be that impressive. You know, the music video I just got done shooting a couple weeks ago, the guy who did our drone footage has done stuff for like Hulu and like Morgan Freeman's show and like Discovery Channel. Like the guy's a boss, but that's like an everyday dude who will do a music video because he's a buddy of the singer in the band. But that's just the people you run into. Is every oh, I'm a PA on this show. It's like oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's closer than I'll ever get to uh, you know that level of of accomplishment. So it's just there's a definite difference. And there's times where I have to you know look to my friends who are in LA, be like, hey, do you know a reference for a voiceover actor or you know? And there's just a difference when you see people who are like, I used to working on sets. I'm I'm there every day. I'm used to handling you know you know, exclusive equipment that you don't buy, you rent because it's for production level stuff. And I'm used to working on these stressful environments in these 14 hour days. And, um, uh, my, uh, family friend of mine is a, a PA on a bunch of commercial stuff and he's working seven days a week, 14 hours a day. He's like, I'm never home. Got this sweet place in long beach, but I'm working on an Acura commercial and tomorrow it's something for Tropicana. And, you know, it's, but that's the majority of the industry is just working level guys who aren't going to get their names in credits up top, oh, yeah. you know, but yeah. it's, it's people like us who are making characters talk for internal training videos. Well, and, and I think that it's changing drastically. I mean, you look at like Freddie Wong and um, even like Andrew Kramer, I don't know about Andrew Kramer, video copilot doc yes. uh, net yeah. or dot com. I don't remember. Uh, and then Freddie Wong, uh, I think they do uh, it's Rocket something um, that they just. I mean, I've been watching his videos on YouTube for mm-hmm. years. I think it's Rocket Jump. They did. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, Rocket. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, He's video, got a video game high school mm-hmm. or something like that. And you know, the internet has opened up a distribution arm that's open to everyone, and it's changing the way that content is consumed. So you know, L.A. LA is, is just not really a film mecca anymore in, in the sense that it was before. I mean, there's a lot of filmmaking going on, but a lot of that is driven by Screen Actors Guild just because of the 30-mile zone and, and, and where people uh, can be hired in and you don't have to pay travel and, and things like this. So there's, there's a lot of actors there, and it kind of you know draws the actors in, and, and there's a lot of production going on, obviously, because the studios are there. But, I mean, Toronto, you know... Um, even Dallas and I mean there's a there's a ton, a ton of stuff being made in Toronto. Yeah. So I, I think even when we're talking about um I, I mean I, I hate to even say production quality stuff. I mean I think even things that we're talking about that are studio driven with major financial backing, you know, kind of make that distinguishment mm-hmm. or distinguishing uh comment. Those are very often being filmed in other places than sure. LA. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you you are getting a lot more independent stuff in L.A. because there's people who work on that occasionally, but they need to fill the rest of their year. And, and you get a lot of kind of film stuff made because the actors are there. So, you know, if you're in L.A., you might be able to get an actor who normally would cost, you know, 10, 15, maybe $25,000 a day. And you can get them for five, maybe seven thousand dollars a day because it's local, and they can be at home at night with their right. kids. Um, you know, things like that make a difference. Well, and crew too. I mean, the cost of crew is going to snowball even on a smaller, you know, few day commercial production for a, a car. I mean, there's a forty, fifty person crew on that stuff, and they all got to drive home, and you're paying for their, you know. Uh, um, uh, day rates and all that kind of stuff, and, and just having them local makes a huge difference. And I think you know, like a lot of those bigger name DPs, directors, whatever, they're going to also take on smaller stuff on their off time. I mean, these guys are directing music videos and commercials and, mm-hmm. and you know, they can be really selective about it, but 
you hear about stuff like that. Cause like, yeah, dude, it was in LA and I was, you know, I finished my movie three months ago and I'm waiting for the next project. And this is a good filler. But there's a ton of crew in Toronto, in oh, Nashville, is, yeah. in Dallas. There's a market in, for I it. mean, everywhere. Right. Like you can go to almost any major city now and get a solid crew together to to make your movie. Alex and Brandon were actually just talking about that. I, I apparently I've never been there in Cincinnati. There's a big network now. Yeah. Um, and it, it's hey, I know a guy who knows a guy. You know, we're working on this music video. I need a gaffer. I got a great guy. You know, the network is is building, and I. I would love to see that where we're at, you know, in the Inland Empire outside of LA, but I I don't see it happening just because we are still close enough to LA. Oh yeah, to where on productions of that size, like, well, I'll just go up there and get it. Yep. Why would I be here when I can move two hours away and be slammed with work? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So we mentioned a few times the Marvel concept, and I have to ask you: there's an ongoing debate on the show um, about Marvel movies. Okay. Whether they are or aren't the worst thing to ever happen to entertainment. <laughs> so Brandon says Marvel movies, everything about them, superhero movies. I shouldn't. I shouldn't pick Marvel. Superhero movies are an insult to the viewer's intelligence. They're a waste of time. It's eye candy. It's just. It's fueling stupidity. Alex says ah, it's just fun entertainment. Whatever. It's a good summer flick. You know, I like them. I take him for what they are. I think Iron Man has some great writing. I love Robert Downey Jr. stuff. I like the arcs. Yeah, it's it's eye candy. It's ridiculous production value with very little depth, but it's just fun. Where do you stand on the superhero movies? Um, gosh, I mean, they're movies. It has to be a zero or a ten. I, I, you this can't is, feel this is, this is what this is what I would say. Um, Richard Dean Anderson, who is MacGyver. And more importantly, Jack O'Neill from Stargate. The already show. starting off right. Uh, he said in one of his comment, in one of the commentaries in the season six Stargate, uh, season six of Stargate, he said, "We're entertaining lives, not saving them." Wow. And I think that the man is a sage <laughs> and has major insight. So you have a connection to Stargate, don't you? Uh, like sleeping at your house right now. Like, oh yeah, actually, I do. My. Uh, my my three year old daughter is named Iris, and that is after the prop in the Stargate <laughs> show. And I try to tell as many people that as possible. You've just all been one upped in nerddom by a thousand points. This guy named a human being after something from Stargate. So my, uh, that's that is that is dedication. <laughs> yeah, we it, Stargate is a great show. I mean, I that's what's still in the air, right? It's just I hate Stargate Universe. It killed the show. <laughs> So what uh, what are you watching in event? What do you what are you taking in for uh, inspiration entertainment? Oh man, you know I have a I have a newborn and a three year old. So baby Einstein. I'm in the middle of. Well, I am actually watching baby Einstein. Season three into My Little Pony. Yeah. I'm no no. I've seen all of My Little Pony. <laughs> we we need to have we need to have that times. discussion. What ne- is with the connection to My Little Pony, the Netflix yeah. hit series? Okay, so honestly. Um, I am thankful that I had a daughter because it gave me the opportunity to see My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, because the writing is really Was Friendship good. is Magic a commentary on the show? No, That's the it's, whole title. it's the subtitle of the film. You're My not Little saying, Ponies, by the way, Friendship, Friendship is Magic. Friendship is Magic. Is, I mean, because you can go to like the old ponies and, oh, and they're like acidelic yeah. looking. Like Lisa Frank weird, Nightmare. Yeah, yeah, like, you know. As my wife grew up on, right, and you know, I mean, like these are these are there's like solid characters. There's you know story arcs that are like Doctor Who. You know, I mean, they like go through the whole well, season. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> my wife said it, and she's the Doctor Who fan, <laughs> so I'm just just repeating what's well, been said. I'm gonna get an email from Brandon. This guy actually just said My Little Pony's on par with Doctor <laughs> Who. We're gonna have to do another episode. Well, I mean, I've never seen it because I don't want to completely disrupt my Netflix algorithm and start getting recommendations (laughs) for like Paw Patrol, you know. Well, you know, it's it's a uh, of of the children's shows. uh, It it is very story based, whimsically colored ponies that are of the more feminine bent. Well, unless are you a brony? Uh, no, I would not claim brony. At least we're not there, man. That would just be. No, I I I respect it as a. From a filmmaker's perspective, I'm like, man, these are really, really well done. I mean, you respect bronies or you respect the show? The no, show? I respect the show. Okay, all right. bronies, I'm indifferent on. I mean, you know, to each his own. 
but uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not there. I'm a a gator or a star gator or gator. whatever okay. whatever that term would be. I would I would al- that's align your fandom. myself with that's their, your fandom uh, their universe. But you're a, so you're a casual appreciator of My Little Pony. Friendship is magic. Uh, it would be tough to say casual when it's on my oh, television man. every day because my daughter's watching it. So you're into the arcs, you know the characters. Like. Oh yeah, I mean I've seen each episode like four or five times because my daughter has seen each episode like eight or ten times. I mean, there's incredible. six seasons of this. It's on my. It's playing. You can only get through an episode, you know, and then you got to start over again. She gets to the last episode, goes well, time to start, start it over. over. I yeah. did that with uh, with Parts Unknown. Yeah, it's probably my favorite show on Netflix. Have you ever seen Parts Unknown? Anthony Bourdain. No, I don't think it's I incredible. Like if you're in like documentary style, like. He goes all over the world. It's it's a little bit food if the culture of the place is pretty, you know, um, just level-headed and kosher. I mean, he'll go to, like, Quebec, and obviously they're not involved in any kind of civil war, so it's mostly about food. But it's amazing. In the cinematography, like, you guys, you have to check out Parts Unknown with Anthony Bourdain. And their DP was actually on the Go Creative Show podcast with Ben Consoli. Uh, super fascinating. Watch a few episodes and check it out. But... Um, and he changes camera packages every episode. He's just they're all over the world. Um, Anthony writes his own, to my knowledge, he writes his own like monologues during the show for his narration. Um, but from a writing standpoint, cinematography, the guy can he'll go there and just be like, you know, um, I came to San Francisco when I was six, and I had this experience, and I want to find that that experience again this time. So he kind of makes his own little personal story for every every episode, but. Um, that's my, that's my Netflix. I I might have to dive into. Uh, to well, my, to my I, Little Pony. I, my Little Pony's good, but I am really looking forward to the next season of uh, The Man in High Castle. I really yeah. enjoyed that, yeah. and uh, I just I did finish uh, Person of Interest. Um, big Jim Caviezel fan, and uh, that was you know fun to watch. Um, you know, it keeps my keeps my attention. Um, <laughs> I think it, we're going to see Man in High Castle with different eyes now after the last 18 months. Just the, the, the different, the way things would be now. And I like that they kind of put it in the future a little bit. There's still some kind of cool technological stuff, even though it's the 60s. And um, it, it, the, the way they just get, I just listened to another podcast with the cinematographer for that show and talking about, you know, when we're in the West Coast is, is Japanese controlled, correct? Mm-hmm. And then kind of the different lenses and the kind of the different color they go with. And yeah. it's just fascinating just to see. And he even said, he goes, this next, it's going to be different moving yeah. forward just because we're so politically like engaged still and this coming right in after that. Mm-hmm. And it's just about government and all. So yeah. I'm interested between that and house of cards. I think you're going to be heavily binge watched now that people are on that, that, you know, that mindset. So that's kind of what we're watching. Have you seen any, any movies lately? Anything? Oh man. I know you're getting out of the I, house a bunch for free time. So I, I was more excited about The Magnificent Seven than I have been about any movie really? in a long time. What did, what did you think? I haven't seen it. That's oh, what I was about to say. Oh, is I have a three-year-old, so I yeah. haven't been able. I mean, my wife had a baby like the week before it came out. So it's The Magnificent Eight then. Yeah, well, now it is. Um, so I, I haven't been able to see it yet, and I'm still like just wanting to see it because I, re- I love Westerns. I mean, yeah. I just I love the Western mystique. I mean, it Nothing will ever be Seven Samurai, but this movie, or even the original Magnificent Seven. Uh, yeah, like, I, I mean, the original Magnificent Seven is is a really good movie. Uh, yeah, uh, this I, is I enjoyed a ton. We saw it, I think, a week after it came out. It is so good. I loved it. I know there's people out there like, well, he missed. I'm like, dude, I don't. It's just on a movie on its own. Yeah, it's so good. I love anything Chris Pratt's in. I'll see that dude in That's any. True, like him and like Bradley Cooper. Like, there's some guys I will see any well, movie. And, that I mean, Denzel, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, um, Denzel. He's a, a bomber. He's a, Denzel, right. Matthew Matthew Bomber. I don't remember. That's Matt, his Matt Bomber. Matt Bomber yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they, they're 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 good actors. Like they bring and they're they're there's a variety. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing it. But uh, I'm gonna have to wait till it comes out on video or Netflix or something like that. Black Mirror, Netflix. Like, dude, you have to watch Black Mirror. It's, yeah, I haven't seen that. It's, it's not gotten a lot of like, it's not like a, a Walking Dead or House of Cards. Like, you go to watch this show. It's Twilight Zone if we kind of focus everything around the power of technology and like what it can do to like us as people and how, like, you know, 
people are getting dumber, like tweets are just, you know, shorthand and everything bad that old people complain about technology generation. It's kind of that on an extreme level. Everything's set slightly in the future. It's like, what if our rank in society as real people was determined by social media statuses? So like people can help us. You basically get Yelp reviewed like a hundred times throughout the day and your score is visible to anyone with their smartphone out and can like see your score and like you get like better financing on things and you get invited to better parties and better house. It's pretty. So it's like high school. <laughs> it's just like high school with a number floating over your head. So uh, what are you working on right now? Man? What do you, what do you got anything graphical related besides, I mean the movie obviously I'm sure is taking up a ton of time, but yeah. Um, man, I mean that, that is it. The, the, the film is, is what I'm working it's on. It's almost now. like making a feature film is a big time constraint. Yeah, that's yeah. What, what phase are we in with that right now? Um, I mean, we're in we're in pre-production. We just had our first uh, full cast read through. Um, we're still kind of talking to a couple of people just uh, to get another anchor in there as far as a name. Um, so we, you know, we're we're pushing for production in February, and uh, we just, you know getting schedules and equipment and we're, we're definitely starting marketing. I mean, we, our social media presence has been uh, increased a ton in the last uh, two weeks or so. Um, you know, I've got a guy who's doing some, uh, some materials for promotion that I've been trying to get on to, to get that done. And uh, he's talking know. about me right now. He's talking, <laughs> I'm just going to, you guys can't see the raised eyebrows. He's talking about me. <laughs> So looking forward to doing some of that. And, we had an uh, awesome photographer who's going to be the DP on the movie, yeah, correct? Gus, yeah, Gus yeah. what's his last name? Uh, Cantavero. Gus, yeah, it does. You can say that. Gus Cantavero yeah. Jr. I'll leave that to you. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, super good. Um, you know, it'll be, uh, I mean, he's he's done a ton of, you know, model photography, corporate video. Uh, he's done documentary. So he's, you know, really versatile. Yeah. Um, he did all the all the promo photos with the with the talent at at our kind of prep studio that we've been using, and I'm gonna go through and turn that into some some marketing collateral. But I saw the work he was doing. I'm like, man, this guy's phenomenal. And I think he took sixteen thousand photos just for us to skim through. Probably, yeah. But I think it's accurate. Yeah. Um, with the the you know budgetary constraints of of being on you know technically classified as micro budget. Yeah. Um. Gear-wise, what kind of camera package are you guys using for all this? Well, I mean, jumping back to the financing part, I mean, that was one of the big reasons why I was able to get uh, financing is I have leveraged some of the smaller success that I've had in the Sermon Media market uh, and just reinvested all of that into gear. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're going to film You're starving. It. Your whole family's starving. My whole family is starving. But you no, can I just work 4K. two full-time jobs. <laughs> um, the... You know, we're going to be shooting on a Sony FS700 cool. uh, with the 4K package, and um, which you've let me borrow more times than you should have. I yeah. love that camera; it's a great. great <laughs> and camera. you know, we we've got, um, you know, I mean, like our we we try to get the most bang for the buck. Yeah. So you know, we've got Rokinon lenses. Um, we've got um, we I just ordered yesterday a bunch of Draycast um, LED lighting. Uh, just really good Black Friday sale, I and mean, we've got ten lights. You're all you're on the uh, LED train, huh? Yeah, I mean, well, and this is the reason, right? Because we're going to be shooting in houses, right? And I can plug ten lights in in one room and not blow a circuit, right? So you know, I mean, just when you're on set and thinking, you can't about, do that okay, with with 18k. No, yeah, no. no. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it, even just halogens. You know, if I if I plug a a 1k halogen and a 600 halogen into the same circuit, you know, a lot of houses that's going to bust the circuit. It's right. going to blow it and and now you're done. And they stay really cool, right? The LEDs, yeah. Yeah, the halogens uh will melt your face off yeah. like a guitar solo. Yes. But yes. So, um you're kind of going, I mean, you actually own all this gear now. Yeah. So, so what I was just saying is that when I'm coming to investors, you know, I'm bringing like Twenty twenty five thousand dollars worth of equipment. And your personal equipment. My personal equipment. Right. Uh, so this is money they don't have to buy. So you know, I go and say, look, like we're trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars, but I'm bringing thirty thousand. Did you find that hard to justify? Like, I've got this. And like, dude, a camera's a camera. It doesn't make any difference whether you're shooting it on this or you know, an Alexa. I don't care. Or did that? Did that point really hit home with them about how much they were? You know. Well, I mean, 
It does, yeah. Like they because they don't know the equipment, mm-hmm. they just know the number, right? And and the number's real, you know, it's twenty five thousand uh, less than you would have had to invest. Exactly. Gotcha. Yep. So you know, I mean, like we're there's a huge portion of the budget that's going towards equipment, uh, but we're being very judicious and you know, what do we need? What do we don't? You know, or what don't we need? What was what was the thing you prioritized most that you still had to get that were like this is a this is a deal breaker. I have to have this version of this thing. Like that was like your priority as far as gear. Um, a dolly. I mean, we just we, <laughs> we just wanted to make sure we had a dolly that would work. My backpack was the most valuable part of my college career. That's what that was. It's. I mean, you want movement, right? I mean, camera movement is really important to have. Yeah. So you know, my DP and I sat down and we talked about it and we said, you know. Um, there's a lot of buzz with Movi and mm-hmm. and all of these other you know gimbal rigs, and uh, you know we'd love to have a steady cam or something like that. But when it really comes down to it, it's nothing better than a long doorway push, man. Yeah, we're ma- and we're making a romantic comedy. You know, we're not making the whole movie is just long porn. pushes. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it's just you know like you need you need that motion. So right. so yeah, that was that was something we were like, okay, we're gonna get that. Um, Did you we, guys already pick that up? Or yeah, you? we actually, Kessler had a, a 15% off Sweet. Uh, thing on Black Friday. So we were scouring eBay, looking for stuff. And, and that was another thing that, you know, I talked about with my investors early on was, hey, look, we have to get this equipment. And I told them, I'm not going to rent it because what I want to be able to do is buy the equipment we need. And if we can buy it used, then we'll buy it used and right. we'll resell it at the end. Nice. So, you know, yeah, we're going to take it. I did that with my prom dress. So I returned it the next day after I wore it. That was an ugly prom dress. <laughs> Sorry, I totally got you off track there. I just couldn't help it. <laughs> so uh, you're gonna resell the gear though when you're done. Yeah. So you know, I mean, it's just, it's just you got to think about it in a business perspective. You know, how do we? At the end of the day, the goal is not just to get the movie made. The goal is to get the movie seen. Right. To get people to pay to see it. Right. So um, the, the less less overhead that you know. Yeah. Are you going to be renting stuff for the? Production? Yeah, I mean, we may rent a gimbal for one or two of the days, gotcha. you know, and, and spend a couple hundred bucks instead of a couple thousand. Re- restructure all your shootings, all the, the movie days are the same. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we have to do, right? You know, Ignoring I mean, locations, well, we're going back based on that. where the lo- we're going based on what the movie is going to lo- be. Locations will be the uh, primary. Yeah, I just got off the uh, uh, music video shoot I mentioned. I think mm-hmm. you saw it. It was a band called uh, Midnight Divide in LA. Check them out. It's midnightdivide.com. Sort of a Bastille, uh, uh, Imagine Dragons kind of, you know, edgy pop thing. I don't know what any of that is. Well, it's what all the kids are listening to these days. It's kind of like Nirvana, but different. Who's but, Nirvana? Oh, man. Um, it was five days, and we went to Malibu, went to, uh, where we go? We went to this decrepit, dilapidated uh, warehouse in Chinatown. That's a prop warehouse. It was just, you can't manufacture this kind of creepiness, just graffiti and then like, like wooden oversized clown facades and just weird stuff that was just totally cool for atmosphere that you just can't make up. Um, and it had been there for a long time. There's like ceiling tiles missing and birds that are just like nesting up there. So cool. And so we shot in there from, we had the place from five, excuse me, 8 PM to 4 AM is when we shot. And let me tell you, 5 a.m. rapping, you are deliriously tired. Not that you've never been awake that late. You went to college. Um, but just shooting, I was being super careful not to drop the ball on anything because I'm so tired. I'm like out of it, packing up a full set worth of equipment, two cameras, lights. I mean, everything myself. And uh, I was using the Blackmagic Ursa Mini 4.6K, which is my new favorite camera. I'm going to buy that thing like as soon as I can. I loved it. I rented it from uh, Lens Rentals, actually on Alex's recommendation. So thanks for that. Um, and it records to CFast cards. There's two CFast cards in there. Well, I brought my, my iMac with me on set and was doing some screen tests with it. So while they were filling up, we were breaking and dumping footage. And uh, on the last footage dump, I dumped the first card twice instead of doing one and two. Mm. Well, we're good. The second card had all of this 120 frame second, like ultra high speed stuff of Austin, the singer, um, completely destroying all the furniture we had in the set, smashing bookshelves, like one time kind of stuff. 
And like, hey, catch this baby being born. Like, big, important things. Yeah. Um, ultra slow-mo. The stuff, I did time lapse of him for 20 minutes of writing paper out to fill up the desk and throwing all the pages. And it looked amazing. Because that was all in the second card and I imprinted the first card twice, uh, the next day when we went to go shoot, I reformatted both cards before starting shooting. So I told him, I was like, hey, man, in 5 a.m. delirium, lost like two hours of footage. He's like, okay, well, hopefully it was just like the slow motion singing stuff we can redo. I was like, no, it was the destroying all of the furniture that we bought on Craigslist and the hundred, all the slow motion one time kind of stuff. He's like, well, it is what it is, you know? So we actually made it work. We kind of had to restructure some story elements because of it. <laughs> so uh, that was interesting. But the uh, video is going to be coming out in the next couple weeks. Um, I will for sure be posting it on my own Vimeo, which is vimeo.com slash wearethefirehouse. We'll be going up there, and the band will be posting it. But uh, that's probably the most recent thing. That and that uh, an animation project I mentioned, which is really After Effects heavy. So I've been working on that too. Um what are you? Uh, what are you excited about coming up, man? As far as you know, work work related stuff or you know, new gear you saw, new project you got on the horizon, you know. Um, my whole life is the feature. <laughs> he's crying right now. You can't see, but he's actually crying. It's, I I mean, you know, false hopes. The movie is my my singular project. It's it's just multiple projects that are part of that. I feel know? like you should have gone with false hopes. Friendship is magic. That you know probably would have been more. <laughs> You would have you would have really gotten that like that two to five year old demo. Yeah. So I mean, really, your everything is consuming. Yeah. Well, I mean, because it's it's each step. You know, I mean, like right now, I'm excited because I have um, what I call my APPA. Um, she's my associate producer, production assistant, <laughs> who, who is awesome, by the way. She she's is, really yeah, cool. She does a really great job, and um, you know, and then people are just wearing multiple hats, and she's allowed me to take two or three hats off. And and kind of hand them to her, uh, so that's been been huge. So, you know, she's I'm, one of those people that you can tell she's like super good at like spinning multiple plates, mm-hmm. and that is so valuable. I mean, she went to film school, like she knows her stuff, but also like I was seeing her work, and I'm like, oh, this is such a huge help to Dave just to have that. Somebody just go here, handle it, and it's yeah. taken care of. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the 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 beauty of film. I mean, it, I guess just being able to work with other people. You know, I mean, it's it's a it's a collaborative medium, and and that's one of the things that I am excited about with this project is a lot of times when you're working on smaller projects, it's you know it's you and a few people. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, you you experience this all the time because you've got that one man band thing, right. and um, you know, I mean, you're you're limited to the story you can tell. You're right. limited to the things right. that you see, and mm-hmm. when you bring a full team in, like you have all these other eyes. Right. It's funny you mentioned that. Like t- a few days ago, after we left shooting some behind-the-scenes stuff for the for your feature uh, in Corona, I had to drive down here for a client commercial that I had booked for a few weeks. Um, there was a misunderstanding, and they thought we were starting two hours sooner than we actually were. So when I left with you, I like threw down. I mean, backdrop, three-point lighting, camera, recorder. I mean, audio, everything. And I think forty-five minutes. And then came down here, and their realtors, um, who are pretty pretty well known in the, in the area, uh, they got a really great reputation. So I told them, I said, let's make this like a kind of a human interest thing. And the one band one man band thing like killed me because I was flying down here. I threw up a backdrop again, the three point lighting system, the entire rig I used for you. I tore it down and then set it all back up two hours later by myself. Yeah. And so um, we had basically. 40 minutes to set up this entire rig and be ready to hit record because we had people who were like volunteers showing up to give testimonials and i'm going i'm doing all this myself i have no one to check the second camera so i'm kind of hopping back i told talent like don't look at me if you see me move between cameras like ignore me um you know resetting things as we're shooting and luckily you know when i was going through editing multicam i can kind of oh that you know i was fixing it there i can go to the other one but i'm now after that day last weekend i was like okay from now on, I'm I'm gonna pay someone to come with me and like just be a PA basically, and I was like, oh, I don't need that. I was like, no, I'm getting to the point where I was like, I, I need it. So things like deleting two hours of footage at five a.m. don't happen, and you know these people. One of the groups we had, I f- didn't hit record on my audio recorder, and I thought I had stopped it, but I actually put it on standby, and you know lost it. It's just stuff like that. I'm like because I'm like there's so many million things going on. I'm like I need to start bringing someone. So the one man band thing. I know there's a lot of people out there doing it. My whole thing is like, 
if someone, say a band were to come to me, I could be like, I will produce your EP. I will do your album artwork. I'll shoot your music video. I'll do your website. I'll do your merch. Like I can do all of it, but it's really stressful. So now I'm starting to sub out more stuff. I don't know if you find yourself doing that too at some point, kind of, hey, you can help me with this. You know, I got to offload some work to kind of keep keep your sanity. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think that you, you can have a lot of talents and it's good to have a lot of talents. Uh, you know, it's good to have expertise in, in different areas, but you can really only have a limited amount of focus. Right. Yep. And, yeah. you know, I mean, there's that old saying, you know, you're a jack of all trades or a master or a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Um, I think that's at any given time. Right. You know, I mean, like you can be a jack of all trades, but if you are required to have a few masters coming in and, and work on one thing together, then you you create something that is more than any one of them could have created. Right. Um, and that's, I think, the the best films, like that's what happens, right? I mean, it just... Delegation. It, yeah, yeah, you know, you, you and you give people ownership and you allow them to take that ownership. Uh, you know, I mean, one of the things when when I'm working on set with actors and, and I mean, anything with crew and things like that, um, you know, at SC when we were talking about auteur theory or you know whose voice is it like whose vision is it in the in the film itself is that the director is that the producer is it the writer you know who is the voice and and you know talk about film coming out of the stage where you know on on the stage the writer is god like you do not change god's words (laughs) and and not unless you pay heavily for (laughs) it from the, (laughs) the company that owns god um the but in film, you know, I mean, that was not the case. It, it's a visual medium, so they say, "Oh, it's the it's the director's voice." And I, I mean, when I'm on a set, I don't feel like I'm striving to get my voice heard. I'm striving to get everybody's voice in tune, right. so that there's a, a much more melodic like song coming out from them together that's greater than any one of us could have created on our own. And, and I think that that is hard to create situation-wise because people can't make a living on that a lot of the time, like being a master of one thing. Right. And that's the, that's the major advantage, I think, that you know, when you get into the Hollywood system is there's just such a glut of money <laughs> that they can have masters. Of just one thing. Of one thing. And and you have this you know crew and you know they get to the point where you know my wife and I were talking about um, you know another thing on Netflix some kind of collection of Disney cartoons and uh, you know they do this little intro to each cartoon and, and she said they sent the team of animators to Europe yeah to go and study this stuff and she's like that's dumb Pixar like, does that a lot with animal stuff they'll have them study fish movement for six months before yeah. Nemo or know? they had they had they they paid to have puppies come into the office or well, that you was know, just like for therapy kind of yeah and and she's like we live in an age of Google like just Google it like you Google how, what do puppies do <laughs> like, I mean watch a couple of YouTube what videos. does a puppy look like and I just kind of laughed yeah. at her because I thought you know she's it's funny true, that, you know, she speaks truth but <laughs> They have a ton of money, so what else are they going to spend it on, you know? Well, the concept of just, you know, star wagons and yeah. craft services. Like, oh, no, you guys don't have to leave for lunch. We're going to have food. Well, by- now, hold on a second, because that is actually very important. <laughs> <laughs> My wife talks about this all the time. Like, there is no other industry in the world, no other thing in the world where it's like lunch is assumed that it's, it's, not, it's like a non-negotiable. Like, you have to provide food. And I was like, honey, like, here's the thing. <laughs> You cannot trust these people to leave and get back on time. No, right, yeah. It's worth the money to yeah. keep them on set. Well, and especially in LA, for them to go from CBS to the Grove, which is two blocks away, would be an entire lunch break. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was, you know, at Warner, I just drive around, see the wagons. I'm like, you know, at what other job? Because we these follow workplace rules, you know. You yeah. can't smoke a cigarette in California now on a movie set because it's considered a workplace. So... We have to follow these rules, but what other workplace do you get a trailer to hang out in when there's some downtime? Yeah. Oh, I'm not shooting right now because they're setting up lights. I'm going to be in my trailer for the next hour and a half just hanging out. Like at every other job, it's like, I don't know, man, clean the countertops, restock the, I mean, do something. Now it's just like, hey, that's not their job. You know, there's this gaffer sitting here right now because there's nothing. He's not at that stage of his job yet. 
you know, there's a lot of hurry up and wait, but yeah, it's, yep. it's definitely different than, well, and, and it's, and it's changing. I mean, that's the thing that I, I think, you know, Netflix and, you know, Amazon and I mean, even Hulu and, and whatnot, where they're, they're, they're getting into the production game and they have the analytics oh, yeah. to back up what they want to make. Custom tailoring yeah. their shows. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's changing things drastically um, in what's created, but things like YouTube and Amazon, I mean, really looking at Amazon as a a distribution platform, you know, I mean, you can put your stuff on Amazon to sell and you can choose whether it's a create on demand, view on demand, free with prime, create your own channel. You know, I mean, they had different models And, and I mean, you know, it's not a you're not getting as high a percentage as if you were looking at other distribution options. Um, but it's an open distribution option and it's to the entire world. Yeah. So, well, and the th- I, there was, oh gosh, I can't remember what show it was. I don't want to misquote it. There was a show recently, I think it was Netflix where they basically created the show to fill in an assumed like algorithmic, like response of based on what most people are watching right now, this type of show would kill. And then they made that show. Yes. I can't remember what show it was really recently. I just heard about this. I have no idea, but they do it it every time. It was like, Oh, they like this, this, and this, and this, that means they'll like this. So we're going to make that show. And that is, I love, I mean, I love Netflix and, and I generally watch Netflix, but Amazon in the end has the advantage. Why is that? Because you buy everything from Amazon, and they're tracking it, so they know what your interests are, not oh, just oh, film wise. Oh, I see. I was, like in the market, shop to regular stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, they like. So I'm gonna start getting. I'm gonna start getting film recommendations about alarm clocks with USB ports on them. Sure. I mean, uh, or or, <laughs> is, that's a, or a bunch at. of camera gear right well, now. I mean, if you think about, um, not only do they, they just have that extra layer of information about you. It's like Facebook or Google. Yeah. They just go super yep. deep into your... Yep. You know, I'm getting Instagram ads now that are responsive based on what I've been looking at on Amazon. Like I yeah. saw Instagram ads that are tailored with like lens ads and like oh, yeah. digital record yeah. ads. I'm like, how do they... That's that's crazy. I think, I, yeah, I didn't look at the Amazon's got the advantage of just having all of the data, not yes. just viewer yeah, not data. Not just viewer data. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I think that Netflix is a more mature distribution platform yeah. and you know and they were definitely you know at the forefront i forget uh, to even look on amazon there's times where i'm like oh it's not streaming anywhere oh wait amazon is everything it's like you know itunes yeah. or i've always forget yeah. to, to go there so well and, and they have you know i mean they have that advantage of bringing in other value right. you know to prime and, and different kind of things so i'm curious you know as i watch amazon i mean i i still uh, prefer netflix i mean i do most of my viewing on netflix but i mean i have prime for the other stuff mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like Man in High Castle, I I love that show. I think it's it's I was, really uh, good. I was house sitting for a friend this last week, and he had one of the new Apple TVs. Um, I know you got an Apple beef. Just let me get there. One of the new Apple TVs, and uh, I'm like, this thing's great. I'm looking at it going. I'm I've already kind of cut cables before, but I'm like, I'm just gonna get a TV and an Apple TV, and it's got HBO Now and Netflix, which are kind of my two main things. And yeah, got to get up on Westworld and all that. Um, HBO on Netflix. I think I think I can put Amazon on there. And then I was like, I've been really into This Is Us, that NBC show. But I'm like, ah, oh, it's network. It's not going to be on here. Like, no, there's an NBC app. I can yeah. just. I'm looking at the math, going for 160 bucks for an Apple TV or whatever it is, and then 60 a month altogether for all the different streaming services, and I can cancel any one at any time at will. Yeah. Versus like 200 a month to get TV. I was like, it just makes so much more sense. Well, um, MLB, their app. The okay. MLB app is the infrastructure for like the HBO Go app and a number of other apps. Like they that. did revolutionary design wow. or yeah, yeah. something of that sort. Um, and, you know, MLB, I, I mean, I've been a subscriber. I'm a huge baseball fan. Um, go Angels next year. Next year. <laughs> Mike yeah, I'm hoping that guy scores more points yeah. than the other guy. Yeah. You don't even start. <laughs> um but they, I mean, that infrastructure is used, and their their app is used in a number of different places. Um, the interesting thing that has kept so many people from cutting the plug is sports. 
And I mean, I watch streaming ball games all the time. You think on once my phone. like football or soccer yeah, switches so over, once I mean, they weird. yeah, once they switch over, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. To I used to just keep it because I'm a big like late night. Talk. I love Jimmy Fallon and all those guys. I'm like, I don't want to lose that, so I'd keep local. Yeah, but I mean, like Chelsea Handler has the I think that's her name uh, has yeah. the mm-hmm. Netflix or yeah, yeah, not a fan, but no, I, yeah, I, I do know. I mean, like she's a late night. Well, talk all these guys are starting person. to have their stuff on the NBC or CBS apps, whatever. And well, and, and I mean, she's on Netflix though. Ex- yeah. Exclusively. Right. So, I mean, and, and sure, Netflix does the binge release, but when they make that, cause they've already started with her, when they start making that uh, transition to weekly release shows as well, that are more current, like John Oliver, I think it's yeah. like HBO, but yeah. Yeah, 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 he's on HBO, but but it, it just it opens up a whole nother right. realm for them. And I think that's the next place they're gonna go. Right. Well, cool, man. Uh Dave, it's been great having you around to talk about it. What do you uh you got a link, something like that, some people can check your stuff out, get in get in touch with the movie, kind of see what's going on with everything, keep up on it. Um yeah, if we if you want to check it out, um best place to find it right now is on Facebook, uh False Hopes, the movie. Uh, we've got a Facebook page on there and then uh, DVM D as in Deo V as in Volente and M as in media. It's a terrible name to have anyone remember, but dvmfilm.com. Uh, that's our uh, production company website. And we'll have a false hopes. The movie the uh, process of that. renovating that as is soon as I can get my <laughs> your guy gets guy on it on that. Um, my stuff is, uh, we are the firehouse.com firehouse creative uh, on Instagram at firehouse creative uh, stay up to date. I'm usually posting stuff I'm working on reposting cool stuff, sharing some articles, sharing some articles. Um, want to thank uh, Brandon and Alex again for giving us the chance to do this. It's been really great. And I look forward. I already got some, some hopeful people lined up here. If we get to do more episodes and uh, keep supporting FTB FTB podcast in uh, your local uh, film community and uh, get out there and shoot and tell some stories. Thanks, guys. That's what I'm talking about. That right there. That's what this show's about. It's about the film community coming together, hearing from different regions all over the country, all over the world. FDB listener-created content. You only get that right here on Filmmakers Drinking Bourbon. This podcast was recorded live at Sound Images Studio. Find out more at soundimages.com.